So I believe, or credo in Latin, some people argue that we translate it not quite right, that credo means more, I set my heart, I trust, rather than the intellectual process of believing, which is an interesting thing to think about on this Easter Sunday. Now the media always like to publish something sensational about Christianity during the run-up to Easter. So right on schedule last week, the Times of London ran a story reporting that only about 70% of Christians in Great Britain believe for sure that the resurrection of Jesus actually happened. This news story was based on the results of a poll of about 2,000 Britons who go to church at least once a month. And it's meant to be shocking, I suppose. It's meant to be scandalous. But I don't think it really is shocking or scandalous at all when you consider that the percentage of those who were actually there, present on that first Easter morning, who believed for sure that the resurrection of Jesus Christ had actually happened was way lower than that. Think about it. <laughs> who, in Luke's account of Easter morning, that our three readers read for us at the beginning of the service, who in that account of what happened on the first day of the week could have answered with an unequivocal yes to a pollster's query, do you believe for sure, for certain, in the resurrection of Jesus? The women who were perplexed when they found the tomb empty, terrified when they saw the messengers in dazzling clothes, breathless when they reported the whole strange experience to the other disciples? Were they sure? The disciples, what about them? The disciples to whom, as the scripture says, the words of Mary Magdalene and Joanna and the other Mary seemed like nothing but an idle tale. Were they sure? How about Peter, good old Peter, who runs back to the tomb to check things out and then walks home scratching his head in amazement. Was he sure? There are a lot of things swirling around in this gospel story. Grief, terror, wonder, confusion, scorn, amazement, all of those things at once. But the confident, certain, sure belief that these British pollsters seemed to be hunting for, at least in the Easter morning stories, it's not there, not yet, anyway. Now, of course, the numbers do get better as the narrative continues. But even so, as the story continues, belief, while important, doesn't ever seem to have been the main goal, the main point. The main point of those stories is that people keep having these encounters with the presence of Christ that change their lives. The point is that people keep having encounters with the power of life over the power of death that empowers them to change their lives and the lives of others, and that this happens even while they are still wrestling with what it all means and well before they've got all their beliefs figured out. The rest of the Gospels, the stories in the Book of Acts, the testimonies in the letters of Paul and others, they're not an account 
of people working toward the goal of getting their beliefs straight and correct. Instead, it's the story. In fact, it's story after story after story, testimony after testimony of people acting in the world with joy and courage and mercy and justice in response to what they were experiencing. The presence of Christ with them, the power of the Holy Spirit at work within them and among them, even though they did not fully understand it or believe it or completely trust it all the time. For example, the disciples knew they needed to choose a new disciple to replace Judas so that they would be ready for what came next, even though they had no idea what was coming next. And Peter rushed into the streets with the rest of the disciples to preach about the living Christ way before anyone had ever thought to standardize what that belief needed to look like. And later, even those who became sure who were very sure that the resurrection of Christ happened and thought they had it all figured out, kept discovering over and over that this resurrection thing was bigger and more complex and more amazing than they had ever imagined. Hey, Ananias, I need you to see, go see about Saul. You know, the guy who's been persecuting your people for the last couple of years? Why do you need to go see about him? Oh, he's going to be your next great leader. Hey, Peter, guess what community you're going to tell about Jesus next? The Gentiles. What? What I'm trying to say is this. The story of Easter and what happened next is not primarily the story of how people came to believe for sure that the resurrection had happened. Instead, it's the story of how people who really were not sure not quite sure, not quite convinced, still tippy-toeing toward faith. It's the story of how those people who were not quite sure yet, nevertheless, bore witness to the power and the wonder of what they were experiencing, how those people acted with courage and hope, even though they were not sure what they believed, even though they were not sure yet what it all meant. They acted first, and the confidence, the trust, the passion came later. The story of Easter and what came next is the story of people who were coming to believe, journeying on a whole road between doubt and joy and hope and fear and belief and trust. It's a story of people who were on that journey not fully convinced yet, but nevertheless healing, teaching, sharing property in common, taking a chance on those who had been their enemies. And it's the story about how those who did believe for sure that the resurrection had happened over and over and over again had their understandings of what that really meant blown completely out of the water. It's the story of how they learned that believing for sure didn't mean standing still or becoming smug or judgmental. Instead, it meant a life of constant transformation, never knowing what outrageous direction the living Christ was going to send them in next. In short, I think the British pollsters asked the wrong question, or at least not the most important or even the most interesting question.
I think maybe perhaps they should, instead of asking, do you believe in the resurrection, maybe they should have asked, are you an ally of the resurrection? Are you open to aligning your life with the glimpses you have seen of the power of love against death in the world? Are you open to the transformation that your experiences, however fleeting, that Jesus is present with you would require of your life and your world? Are you willing to step out and act in courage and hope? Are you willing to act to defy the powers of death that surround us? Here in our own towns, in our own country, in our own world, are we willing to step out and act in courage and hope even while we are still wrestling with who Jesus really is and what the Holy Spirit might be calling us to do? And if you do believe, if you're there, is that belief still rocking your world? Is it still taking you to new places? Is it still stretching your boundaries? Is it still exploding your notions of how the world works? The good news of Easter morning is not only Christ is risen, but also that we can live as allies of the resurrection no matter where we fall on any given day on that spectrum of doubt and wonder and confusion and belief. My friend, Pastor Ken Evers Hood in Portland, expressed this well in a poem that he wrote for Easter last year. Resurrection is not an argument. Resurrection is not an argument, not an idea to which you might agree or not and move on unchanged. Resurrection is a weed, her roots cracking into concrete finding a way where there is no way. Resurrection is resistance. The thin man, white shirt, facing down four machines of war, vulnerability his only weapon. Resurrection is the dwarf mountain hemlock tree, fighting through rime ice, growing sideways, stunted by the howling wind, but growing anyway. Resurrection is you showing up one more time to a place you don't understand, to a love you know you don't deserve, but bringing everything you have. Resurrection is not an argument. It is a song sung in another tongue that somehow still brings tears to flow, a warm hand finding your shivering shoulder on the coldest night, Resurrection is life, when all you know for sure is the shadow of death. Amen. And as the choir sings the next few pieces from our Gospel Mass, I would invite you to come forward as you choose to complete the work with the children have begun, creating a cross of life and joy and beauty, placing a flower into that cross as a symbol of your own commitment to live as an ally of the resurrection no matter where you are on the spectrum of belief on any particular day or time. Let us worship God together. <laughs> 